Welcome to our special weekly podcast, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty, but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share soulful founder stories or those who simply inspire me. But thanks to Dell, we are able to continue creating this unique podcast for the small business community at a time where we need all the advice we can get. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going you won't need to bring the final SME SOS podcast special. I really can't quite believe it. I could never have imagined when we launched this in March, within 48 hours of going into lockdown, that we would find ourselves in October having interviewed 55 founders. It's been one of the biggest privileges of my life. And whilst I will still be here for you every day, today's podcast marks a phenomenal period of history that will live with me forever. My guests today are Will Butler Adams, CEO of Brompton Bikes, and Richard Callender, presenter and fitness expert. Both share the most incredible lessons and insights, not only from a business perspective, but fundamental life lessons too. So my first guest is Will, who was the first person I interviewed on SME SOS over eight months ago. So promise me that you have got a pen and paper to hand. And if you haven't, press pause, go and get one. Okay, have you got your pad and paper? Okay, so let's go. Because this interview is possibly not just the best advice from all of our SME SOS guests, but perhaps some of the best advice I have ever heard. Hello. Holly, how are you? I'm very good. Well, can you believe this? First of April is when we last saw each other like this and you were seeing sort of a 30% decrease. And then now I th- I listen to the news and I hear that sort of bike ride, everything has gone up by 60%. So just tell me, has that actually translated into more sales? Is things go- are things going well, Will? So we are incredibly privileged and lucky to be one of the few industries that is sort of benefiting from this crisis. But what really started to change was, um, we're always trying to get our staff on the bike. Suddenly our own staff were suddenly going, well, you know that bike, any chance of a bike? And then, then we had a hospital come to us and say, could we borrow some bikes? Then we raised about 320 grand on a Kickstarter last minute, get some money. We got 800 bikes to the NHS to help them. And then we hear that Anne Hidalgo, the mayor of Paris, wants to put in 650 kilometers of cycle lanes. And people were realizing, having taken all these cars out, and the air was a bit cleaner, that actually, hey, how nice. This city is for me, the human being that lives in it. Why don't I just get on my bike and take my children for a buzz? Because it's not rammed and scary. And, and we started thinking, hey, this is, this is not just a little little bubble. This isn't just a knee-jerk reaction. There is a seismic shift going on here. And at that point, we realized we stopped ordering everything because, of course, we were protecting our cash. Order more! Order more! (laughs) And the interesting thing is you're right when you say that 60% is probably where the sales demand is. But the reality is you can't deliver to that. Your staff is still vulnerable. 
We've got supply chain issues. They're still there. We are recruiting. We're trying to recruit um, 190 people in nine months. So we are in the middle of a roller coaster. We are probably up 25%, but we can't be more than that because even though the market demands more, but in some respects, you don't want to fulfill the market because what we don't want is, you know, chuck all our eggs in the basket, recruit all these people, and then suddenly find that it's all based on on, on sand foundations. We want to, yeah. to see this gradual. I've been at it 18 years. I'll, I'll take another 15 of gradual rather than sort of up and down. What? Oh. You're telling us, you know, and for everyone listening, it's such sound advice that we don't get anywhere else. Grow based on your solid foundations. Do not yes. grow based on fluffy, hot air, ego, yes. want yes. to have growth. Yes, but then in the very same big... breath, I've just yeah. told you that we're going to recruit um, for 195 <laughs> people. Actually, this is the first time where we are getting our, our chips, which we've, we've worked hard for and saved, and I'm stuffing them on the table. Because yeah. this is the one time when, you know, if you don't go for it now and take a bit of risk, then when the hell else are we going to do it? So we are going for it. Do we quite know whether we're overdoing it? We don't quite know. But hell, if we can't do it now, yeah. we, and, and, you know, the country needs people to employ people. So we're one of the lucky ones that is things are going well. So let's let's bring people in and, and see if they can help us. And you're going for it. And you know what, Will, after 18 years, you've got the heartbeat of this company. You, you do know what you're doing. You don't know exactly, but you know. do know what you're doing. And in March, when we spoke about innovation, you know, you were just feeling that actually, should we think about leasing or going, right, this is what we're hearing. Let's change mm -hmm. the strategy. Um, tell me what you, what has happened there? So what we ended up doing with Wheels for Heroes, which was our campaign for the NHS, is we lend those to NHS staff. They can have a play, see if they like it, you know, see what the route's like, you know. And then we then offer it to them at, at a little bit less than what it costs us to maintain yes. and look after the system, which is 15 quid a month um, for three months. And actually out of the people that take the bike, 60% um, are taking it then for another three months. And now they're paying a bit of something. So there's clearly some value because when it's free, it doesn't really have value to think, well, I'll have it anyway. And then after the three months, they are then introduced to the cycle to work scheme. They're introduced to leasing. So we're trying to mobilize people. And then we get those bikes back to try and get more people to give them the opportunity to give it a go at a low entry. And that, even though we did that for the NHS, really, that is like a massive leasing yeah. trial. So we're now in the process of taking that learning from something that we did totally for the NHS out of the sort of depth of COVID and we're going to try and make it a commercial leasing um, proposition. And I, I'm interested to know what do you feel for those listening that might have a similar idea, not leasing, but you know something that you're saying yeah. is, is turning on a light bulb. Do you worry that you are cannibalizing the sort of client base at the moment or do you feel like you're yeah. tapping into a completely different pool of people who potentially weren't going to buy the bike without testing it? I think you've got to be careful because you've got to be very, very wary about protecting what you've got. Because if you protect what you've got because you think, you know, we've got the golden goose and we know this works and it, it, the old, it ain't broke, so don't fix it, la-di-da, la-di-da. But if you think there is an opportunity, but you're not going to take it because it might damage your core business, 
and you sit on that and you sit on that and you sit on that. You, if you can see the opportunity, so can the competition. So if you're not doing it and you will know best how to do it because you've been in the industry yeah. longer, it's going to be harder for the competition, but they can see it too. So if you don't run for that opportunity and qualify it and learn about it, you may find that for a couple of years you're fine, but then somebody comes in and just eats you for lunch because they will take that opportunity mm -hmm. that you haven't had the confidence mm -hmm. to go for. And whenever you take these opportunities, you've got to just make sure you don't bet the farm and have a great laugh because it's always a bit exciting when you're doing new stuff. You, it's always a little bit scary and you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Now, there's a difference between fun and scary and stress and like can't sleep at night. And the difference is betting the farm. Don't bet the farm. Take a sum of your savings, a sum of your hard-earned cash, yep. and be prepared to blow the lot. And okay. in blowing the lot, learn tons. But if you, as long as you don't go light overboard, you can have fun, you can take yes. risks, and you can learn without being totally stressed and freaked out, because life's too short. Life is too short. God, it's just, I told you everyone, he's pretty good at this, very, you know, Take this on board. Um, one of the things I wanted to also talk to you about is your ability with the crystal ball. Because when we spoke in April, you said to me, you thought we were going to go back to basics. People are going to seek out brands to send, spend their money with where they feel like there's a human face to business. You know, there, there's a humanness to it. Um, what have you seen during this time? And, and I, I think so much, lots of hearts are coming up right now because I think this is what the community are feeling. They felt it. What's really interesting is that, that, that there has been some talk in our particular sector, and it's, it's relevant to, to those people who are listening, that the reason why people are, are jumping on a bike is because of fear. And there is an element of truth in that. There is a lot of yeah. fear around. But the other thing that's worth reflecting on is that as a society, we had this like incredible period where it was like, oh my God, we had time. We, we, we spent time, we saw our children, we spent time you know, chatting to them. We, 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 we engaged with our community. And I think more powerful than the fear has been a sense of purpose. There's much of what I just had, which is what I want, be that. The fact that the, the, the cities are calmer, be that you spend more time with your family at home. And do I need to buy all this crap that I don't really need? Do I need to keep killing myself to get a bigger house or the smarter car and all this peripheral SH1T? No, what I need to do is buy less beautiful things that are contributing to society, that are not sucking the heart out of our little blue planet, that are looking after the people that work for them. So in that regard, businesses that genuinely care. And the reason you need a person is not because of the person themselves, it's because the person is articulating the values of the business with absolute integrity. The trouble is with too many businesses, the chat at the top, you know, it's, it's skin deep and you do a bit of digging and it gets nasty and, and the, the consumer's tired of the bullshit. And that's why I think if you're a business that has integrity, that cares about your stuff, and none of us are perfect, us yeah. definitely not, but we're blooming trying, I think the customer will respect that more and more. Yes, it just yes. 
It's just, it's just I'm, I'm a bit speechless. I got a bit teary as you spoke there. I'm going to um, be saved by the comments that are coming in. Um, we've got Nicola Rowlands. This has really made me smile. The thoughtful Potter, so clever. This is brilliant. You are doing good as well as creating a new revenue stream for your business. This is what happens when you have a can-do attitude. Um, I've got another question for you. You spoke um, brilliantly about leadership on the podcast and a quote that you shared, and I've spoken about it, crediting you many times, so your ears might be warm. Um, it was about scattering your stars so that together you shined bright. Talk yep. to me about this. So we did some work at the end of last year, which culminated in us having a great knees up and celebrating uh, the fact that we had invoiced 50,000 bikes the year before. And in 2002, I was given a bottle of champagne by some students from Cranfield when I managed to persuade him, we were a tiddly company then, to come and do a bit of free consultancy on us. I said I wouldn't open it until 50,000 bikes. It took me 17 and a half years. That bottle went under every single desk that I had been in and moved from while I'd been at Brompton. And we had this party and I opened the bloody bottle. It was amazing. We also had a flipping Nebuchadnezzar so that everyone else had a drop. But it was a real moment. But in preparation for that, we um, did some work on what we stood for. And we came up with a, it's more of an internal thing, but it, if I want to speak to my staff and say, why did we come for work? And what we agreed was that we would say that what Brompton is about is that we create urban freedom for happier lives. And each one of those words means something. We, because we're a team, both our customers, you know, create because we're makers, urban is relevant because you live in or you engage with cities and, and freedom and happiness are really at the real heart of what we do. And we, did, we toyed over whether we use happiness enough. Some people think it's naff, but happiness is everything. If, you, if you're not healthy, if you haven't got friendship, if you've got anxiety, you're not happy. And what we realized that happiness was actually some of our staff aren't actually as happy as they should be. Mm. And it's all good and well going out and saying to everybody, ooh, we're going to make you all happy when I've got some of my staff who've got challenges. So it was a real reflection for us that we need to do more internally. Okay. We, we need to focus on our staff, on their families, on where they're going. And that journey is beginning. And it's around mental health, it's about education, it's about diversity, it's about how they manage their finances, it's about having fun, it's about the, the place that we go to work in. But when you actually look, really look inside, we're not doing enough for our own staff. It's really interesting. I'm learning so much. You know, communities, you're listening to Will. You know, I learn. We all learn from each other. I, I have a, a comment here. Mini and Grouse Interiors. My dad has one of your bikes. He is 86 and Legends. loves it. It keeps him fit and young. My dad's 82 and we have a race, the Brompton World Championship. Sadly, we didn't have it this year because of um, coronavirus. But dad has raced in every Brompton World Championships for the last 10 years. Um, and it was really funny because he lives outside York and um, he's not some lycra cyclist. But then in the build-up for the big race, he starts his training. <laughs> but at home, he, he lives in the countryside. You know, you don't really need to fold your Brompton, but obviously he has a Brompton because he's, you know, he's, he's supporting his son. So he's been doing all this training and came down to London, all excited with mum. 
you know, there we were. And the bikes are folded. We have like 600 bikes on the mall. It's a Le Mans start. You run to your bike, you unfold it, and off you go. And whilst Dad had done all his training, his, his, he was getting his time up, the one thing he'd slightly forgotten to practice was the unfold. Oh, no. So poor Dad. Everybody had gone, and Dad was, he couldn't get the damn thing unfolded. You know, he was the last man to get his bike to go. He was so upset. Huge cheer went up. You know. And then off he went. Oh, yeah, my goodness. But he's going strong. He's going strong. He's oh. loving it. I love, well, I love that. I've got a few big questions for you. So what do you think is the biggest lesson uh, you've learned uh, personally um, in the last seven months? So my biggest lesson is to remind everybody what leadership is. And true leadership is not following the crowd. Mm. True leadership is taking risk, is having the confidence in yourself and your team to understand the crisis, because we will face crises. Understand it, take some time to talk about it and really decide what it means for you and your business and take the decision that's right for you and your business. What we tend to find today, politics, large companies, the tiniest risk, woof, straight to the biggest, you know, bum covering extreme. And it's not, that's not leadership. And so for me, we have taken risks throughout this. Not me, not me, some gung-ho, flag-waving person charging off. No, we as a team, and there is no right and wrong answer. Because guess what? Leadership isn't black and white, it's grey. And you have to make calculated risk. That's what business is. It's a, set, it's a whole load of calculated risk. And unfortunately, in the last seven months, there hasn't been enough honest debate about what the risks are. And I think that that is that has not been good for society. It, don't get me wrong, it hasn't been easy and there is no right or wrong answer, but we've gone way too quickly, too far to one extreme. You've just been nominated for prime minister just after that yes. speech. What do you hope will be the legacy of COVID um, and its impact for good? I think the fact that somehow as a society, we've hidden death. We put old people in a little home and let them shrivel up and die over there. And, People used to die in your house. We were quite mm -hmm. familiar with death. We used to see animals in butchers, you know, but death is hidden and we've been a bit afraid of it. But this crisis has brought death right up front and center. And it, it, it's, we're not used to it. It's a bit scary. We had a generation that went through two wars that they, they were quite sadly, but they were quite ready for death because it mm -hmm. was there and they mm -hmm. saw it. Mm -hmm. And you need to, remember that we're all going to die and that we are only here for a short period of time and i think if you can reconcile that you start readdressing how you want to live while you are here and that we're only custodians of this planet or this house or this whatever and we're trying to bring up the next generation and i think we've got a bit too greedy and we think that we can control everything and we can live forever and that, you know, we're all powerful and we're all, you know, and actually we're here for the, you know, the blink of an eye and we've got to do our best to not bugger it up. And, and to be honest, capitalism has done many great things, but it, you look back and it consciously and unconsciously, it's buggered up a lot. And I think more than anything, it's that total global reflection as a united world, because it has been, we've had to be united because this is a global problem. I think if we can hold on to a bit of that, and use it 
to reflect on how we want to live because this climate emergency is proper and we have to shift how we go about our lives and i think this might have just come in the nick of time i mean i'm just i'm i'm literally i'm getting emotional um what would you say to small businesses listening um what advice might you have for those founders listening i'm, I'm going to be quite commercial here because we're talking about business mm -hmm. this is about business if you look around the world there is a lot of cash even though you may not feel it yourself governments have been pumping huge amounts of money into these economies now we as a company have just taken some of our savings and put it into a high interest account that high interest account is getting 0.1% interest a year that's a high interest account the stock market is vulnerable we're in this huge uncertainty so there is actually an opportunity to, to get investment from real people into your business. So I think if you're struggling, when we tried to raise money for the NHS at a time when people's jobs were on the line, at a time when people were fearful of themselves, we raised, there was incredible goodwill amongst people to mm. give money, mm. 320 grand. I, I mean, mean, not a small amount. No. So I think it is tough lean on your community we have a community spirit if you're doing good things if you're creating something worthwhile i think you've got to reach out and ask for help from the community and actually they can benefit too because they'll probably get a better return a better sense of well-being in supporting small businesses giving you the cash flow you need give up a bit of your equity for the long term and i think you know there is hope and there is funds available and you're likely if you're small and entrepreneurial to be giving a hell of a lot more than 0.1% return a year what fantastic advice and it's a slightly spiritual will i have to tell you that <laughs> yes um, yes i make bicycles just bring you quickly down to earth <laughs> thank you so much for your time in helping this community and i wish you everything you're the real deal um you're super inspirational and um, I'm going to play this back to myself and make notes because so much of you said what you've said I want to take on board personally um, but bless you for being so kind with your time and thank you again for joining us well many thanks for inviting me and good luck everybody we, we have a way to go but I think as ever it, it, there is plenty to be optimistic about I mean, honestly, this interview was a milestone in my life. The generosity of his words, his insight, this kind of advice you just don't hear anywhere. And I feel really privileged to not only share it with you, but be able to absorb it myself. And Will is right. We do have a long way to go. Of course, there will be ups and downs, but the consumer has been fundamentally changed. And so now truly is the time to be brave. It's truly the time to dream big and believe in the power of your incredible small business. For my final trip into the archives, I decided to revisit a conversation I had with Asma Khan back in May. Her interview reduced me to tears on a number of occasions, as she has such a beautiful way of eloquently describing the emotions and passions of a founder. She cares deeply about the impact that her business will have on the world, and I thought that her words on voting with her money in a post-COVID world were particularly timely, following Will's vision for his company and colleagues. In some ways, you know, the world stopped uh, mm. with the lockdown. Yeah. And in our lifetime, we saw the earth recover. This is such an important lesson that when you take away 
all the the pollution and the and especially you know in in a place like India, uh, you know from my hometown, you can see mountain ranges that no one has seen. You know, my grandparents would talk about seeing it, and now people are seeing it. And I think that I hope all of this is sinking through because you're watching the purity in the earth, in the air, and and I hope that also happens with business. That you know mm-hmm. that when that pollution is lifted, um, mm-hmm. of daily grind of life where you just take it as it is, and you're forced to sit back and think, and you know, and view the mountains that you never saw ever, that you only heard was once visible, but now you see it. I hope that this this lockdown will give people that choice because now people will have a lot less money to spend, which is going to be, you know, the Bank of England is already talking about the recession, you know, it's inevitable, you know. So I think that the big thing is that, you know, if I had just a pound to spend, I would go and spend it somewhere where it was meaningful. I feel that those companies that value their their workforce probably values my money more. And yes. it matters to me. I'd rather give it to someone who will, you know, appreciate me and then appreciate the people who work for that money that I've given them. After many years mentoring small businesses and championing women founders, the imposter syndrome is something which comes up as a consistent reason as to why women are holding back from building their own businesses. Fueling this imposter syndrome is a fear of tech. And so together with Dell Technologies, we want to take the first steps in empowering women in business. So each week, I'll be giving away an award-winning Dell XPS laptop and lots of other small business goodies to cheerlead you on your journey. This week's winner is Paula from The Crafty Lass, and she wrote... I would absolutely love to win a new laptop. My business, The Crafty Lass, is currently changing from primarily hosting face-to-face craft workshops to doing more and more social media, online tutorials, press and partnership commissions. And I am in the early stages of writing a book. My boys, four and one, have just started to be at nursery more, so I have more quality time for the business. I plan to dedicate time each week to writing the book this winter and three days ago the keyboard on my existing laptop broke. The screen, the mouse is fine but the keys just don't want to function at all. It means I end up with words all half written. So I'm currently writing this on a borrowed plug-in USB keyboard. Not ideal. It is an absolute dream to publish a book and I actually have three book ideas buzzing around my head. I have had several chats with people who have already published their own crafty dream about how to best pitch to publishers and I feel confident and ready but I need a new laptop to get these words written down. Whatever happens with this competition or not, as I cannot work like this, I feel I have managed to build a good brand so far. But I am always learning, always open to new ideas and opportunities. I'm also at the point where I feel my website is ready for a refresh. I built it on WordPress and whilst it's absolutely fine, it is ready for a new direction. A new laptop with a working keyboard would really help these big hopes, plans and ambitions. 
Well, I am so thrilled to announce you as a winner this week, Paula. To follow Paula and her business, you can find her at The Crafty Lass. Thank you to everyone who has entered this competition. It was such an honour to be able to empower so many women and their very own tech in a box. And I thank you, Del, for making this all possible. My second guest this week is Richard Callender, who I hadn't met before, but when speaking to a mutual friend about who was inspiring him at the moment, he immediately mentioned Richard, and we were not disappointed. Richard's attitude to life, the direction and vision has all been fundamentally shaped by his own parents and a teacher that spotted his talent and inspired him. Richard's story is a testament to the vital need to not only find our children's diamonds and nurture them, but to also allow them to see us striving, sacrificing and working hard towards our dreams. As a founder, we are uniquely positioned to show our children exactly what it takes to build a dream. And I urge you to hold on to this knowledge, especially as we enter the half term and for many of you, lockdown too. The guilt of juggling homeschooling, keeping the kids entertained and, oh yes, preparing for that little thing called Christmas can feel all-consuming. I hope that in those moments you think back to this conversation and remember that you could be giving your children the most valuable lessons in life. Hi! Hey, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me here. I'm wondering if you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you decided that building a business within fitness was what your diamond was, was what you were going to do on this planet. What happened was, is the weirdest thing, I had a teacher in my old school, and I remember sitting in my class one day, I was about, I was about 11 years old, and he called me outside the corridor, and he was like, is Robert your older brother? And I was like, yes. And he said, because my brother's an athlete, he said, can you run? And so I guess this is what my book, my book called, I Don't Know, Sir. And it was a few days later, we have the um, trials for the athletics team on the school field. Um, I want you to come, come and attend. And I guess that's the rest, the rest is history because I took part. Um, I was with a year above me, um, the boys there, and I won. So that's how it happened. And all through school, my, my family are really big on education. My parents are very much education they were like you don't have that unless you have this so it's very much education 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 i think from an early age i knew i was going to teach i've got lots of teachers in my family um i knew i was going to teach i just didn't know what but as it got older i was like actually i i, I like people and i think because so many people at a young age opened the doors for me in my athletics career um, yeah. in all my sporting things, i thought i want to be that person to somebody yeah. else um and also the posters I had on my wall growing up were like Bruce Lee on my wall and Michael Jordan and people like that who yeah. inspired other people. And I was like, I want to be that dude. I want to be that person. And so it's a natural progression. Now, fitness, I'm, I'm 44. And so I've been doing this for about, I've been actually in the, in the industry teaching for about 24 years now. And so, yeah, back then it wasn't necessarily cool. There wasn't like the wealth and revenue and you can do now. And so it really was a passion project. I, I learned very, very quickly that, you have to be able to expand your horizons and learn from the people around. And that's what's helped me go forward. So now where it's cool and everyone's trying to jump on the bandwagon, a lot of people are struggling because they don't have the foundation. They haven't taken the time to 
become a better version themselves to handle what's coming their way, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. What a brilliant articulation of that. Because, you know, we talk about it in business, you know, I call it like the scaffolding, you know, those foundations. Perfect. You must have seen, though, in your industry with especially this time like now and the stark reminder of us needing to feel good, um, that the general, has it been like a general understanding of fitness and the power of fitness on your mental health? So from my side, what I've loved about social media is the fact that it's put fitness out there to the yeah. masses. It's shown that we're all only touching the absolute tip of the iceberg when it comes to health and fitness, because people aren't doing it. People don't also understand what health and fitness is. Quite simply, it's just eating better and moving more. Keep it as simple as that, and you win. And so during this whole lockdown thing, I've seen people's mental health been affected. I've seen people who haven't coped with not be, having their support systems around, which I totally understand, and they haven't had the mechanisms in place to support them, and they've struggled. And that comes from within the industry. I've seen some of my friends who are top trainers breaking down or struggling mm -hmm. because they didn't have the foundations or they didn't have yes. the plan B or the plan C or the plan D in place. Mm. And I've had friends mm -hmm. of mine say, oh, you're lucky because you've got a gym at home. I'm like, I'm not lucky. I chose to build this 10 years ago. It's relevant now. And you think I'm lucky. That wasn't luck. Yeah. And so when, when the change happened, I was ready. So it's all yeah. about preparation. I can't blame anyone else apart from myself. Yeah. It's the truth, isn't it? If you don't put the work in, you're not going to get the results. And that's with regard to anything. Relationships, your career, your yes. health. If you don't do the hard work or the work, you can't complain when things don't go your way. And there's no such thing as luck. It's just when preparation and opportunity cross. That's, that's it. That's when it happens. That's Come on, it. It's so good. You know, it's, I just literally came off a, a big meeting that was quite big for Holly and Co. And someone said, um, they were very lovely. They said, oh gosh, Holly, you've got um, a really interesting world coming your way next year. I said, yeah, but you know, I pitched that out five years ago, you know? Now I've got loads of questions. Um, so a few comments. Uh, Amy Stevenson, what an amazing teacher. What was his name? Uh, Mr. DeWitt. He passed away a few years ago, but Mr. DeWitt, and he changed my whole life because without that moment, yeah. I would never have known that I had the capability to run and then to win. Yeah. And it also showed me, because my dad, no matter what, my dad passed away last year and he was this amazing man. But he was always there on those wet nights to take me training. Uh, if, if it was raining and cold on my paper rounds, he would take me around in the car but like he still said, I'm not here to do this for you. You do this. And um, so my, it gave my, well, not just my dad, it gave my parents opportunity to say, if you want to succeed, sacrifices. If you want to do these things, sacrifices. And so it taught me so much. You know what? That you're right. Sacrificing. You know, that's, that is one of the lessons, isn't it? Until you go through it. And it's very, very important, I would say, for us parents and, you know, to make sure our children sacrifice in order to get to where they want to get to. Because in business, if we think about the future when lots of people will be absolutely running their own businesses, it will probably be the new business, which is working for yourself. If you haven't had that in any way installed into yourself, um, you're gonna find running your business incredibly difficult. Those times that you do not pay yourself for the first, for first whatever, I call it like year zero. How much, how long can you go without earning? 
you know how yeah. long can you actually survive and it's until you if unless you've had that experience you're going to find it very difficult i've also got a couple of um questions for you from frankly food how can you inspire young disadvantaged boys to follow in your footsteps footsteps when they might have negative influences in their lives so here's here's a very important thing i don't know if you know this i'm black not everyone knows that it's not a new thing it's it's just very common it's, just, it's very current it's very topical but growing up people have always had positive and negative influences mm. What you have to do is you have to surround yourself with the right people very early on. My parents didn't choose my friends for me, but they made the effort to work a bit harder and grow and, and sort of raise us in a very specific area. Okay, and so a lot of my friends are very mixed. I've got um, friends who are like Jewish, Muslim, Asian, you name it. It's a whole mixing pot. As a result of that, as we all grew up together, we had very similar um, role models, whether it be movie stars, um, comic heroes. I was a comic geek. Going forward to nowadays, people seem to be inspired by people who earn the most money or have the most followers. That's very different to what was back in the day. So my advice would, would be this. You've got to try and sort of get the people to learn as much as they can about other people's journeys. They've got to appreciate that people might have come from the, might have come from the same place they have, but have attained a certain level in their life. No one wants to know about just the footballers who are earning £100,000 a week because that's few and far between, or the pop stars that make it, because that's such a small amount. What they want to be knowing about is the person who lived three roads away, who's got an amazing job that they had to work hard for, yes. who's kind, who's raping their children the right way, who has fun, and can buy the nice things that people go, wow, but you go, but they have to understand there's a pathway to that. There's, it's what I call breadcrumb. They have to have a clearly defined path of breadcrumbs you know like, like in the fairy tale you have to leave breadcrumbs so my breadcrumbs fingers crossed my daughter and for anyone who's following me is no matter what i did in my life and every time i failed i got up and i looked for a door yeah because there are always doors around if you're head down you won't see the door open if you walk through the door leave some breadcrumbs so when it comes to inspiring the youth i talk at schools and go to schools all the time mm. because i want them to go to know that at ground level i've been where you've been my parents tell me all the time how my mom came from Jamaica, my dad came from Barbados. They came to England with nothing, yet they built enough of a foundation for us kids to have, an, a, I'm going to say, a great life. And you go, actually, because they told us about their hardship, I mm. thought, if you can do it, I can do it. Breadcrumbs. Never heard that, Richard. Now I'm going to think of you all the time because Please do. It's, it's just a beautiful thing that we can think about with this great question about disadvantaged kids and boys specifically but also businesses when we break ceilings when we do things how can we leave that breadcrumb helping other people understand where we got to but bless you for being with us today and i i wish you everything richard oh thank you hey honestly well done for all the things you've been doing your podcast i was watching one with june the other day and just some amazing people so keep doing what you're doing. Well done. Thanks for having me. And oh. you never know, this new upskill you've got of yours, when you have a TV show, remember me. I won't take up too much space on the sofa, but remember me. Got ya. Got okay. ya. Lots of love, Richard. Hey. Take care. Thank bye you bye. to everyone. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
I mean, what a nice man. He was also a walking soundbite. Success means sacrificing. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I mean, all of these need to be written on post-it notes and stuck on the front of our notebooks. I also really never heard of leaving breadcrumbs for those following in your footsteps. But if you hear me talking about that moving forward, you'll know exactly where it came from. Such a brilliant analogy. There have been so many lessons that have been shared over the last eight months from some of the biggest brands and most formidable leaders and founders. We've covered countless industries and sectors, discussed pivoting, leadership, entrepreneurial spirit, crisis management and the power of community. But above all, the consistent narrative from all the founders that we have spoken to is that this time has fundamentally changed the consumer for good. Without question, the leading industry belief is that this period in time will be recognised as a pivotal moment for the rise of small. It is this knowledge that I want you to hold on to amongst the countless news stories and recession warnings. This is not to say that the path ahead will be easy, but the public appetite is ripe for consuming small and consuming British. And this is just set to grow and grow. Roger Wade reminded us that a recession paves the way for a level playing field. Small can move quickly to corner a market. Joe Fairley agreed that building in a recession makes you even more creative and resourceful, whilst dear Wilfred Emmanuel Jones urged us to trust the instincts and not fear uncertainty. So on that note, I wanted to say thank you to you. You truly are the wind beneath my wings. Thank you for your support. I read every comment, see every like and message of support and it is my greatest privilege to lead this community. And don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. You can still find me on Instagram every day. I will still be releasing conversations of inspiration every Monday and over the next few weeks I will be announcing all our plans for Campaign Shop Independent and the Independent Awards. And guess what? They are very big and colourful plans. Surprise, surprise. So for now, I would be so grateful if you could continue your support by liking and rating and reviewing this podcast. As you know, it would mean the world to me and means in turn, we will be able to help many more founders live their dreams. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you, Dell, for helping us bring this free podcast to life. And if you want to hear all about the latest experts joining me, follow me on Instagram at Holly Tucker and sign up to my weekly email or head to holly.co to find out more. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. Find that all the things that I have said will come to when you are lying.